And segue to the next question, which is kind of right along to that, is um, by the same person. Uh, I wanted to ask how we can practice slash improve consistency. Very often, I find that I can only play with somewhat decent tone for a few bars, then it gets worse. It is rather problematic in a recital because we prefer a consistent level of playing from the first note to the last instead of starting nicely and gradually degrading. Hmm. So what I, makes it degrade? Well, I kind of get the beginning of it. Like, obviously, the tone sounds good for the first at the beginning, and then, let's say, two, three systems down, it starts just getting worse. So it's kind of about developing the endurance, maybe? I don't know. It can be a lot of different things. It could be that maybe the person has a good um, embouchure at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And what I see a lot is people either cover yeah. while they're playing, the flute turns in. And as it turns in, the sound gets worse. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe your flute is turning in while yeah. you're playing. We um, learned that in the summer. We learned that in the summer a little bit that the flute's uneven, right? So it always kind of tends to fall back. Yeah. So people kind of think it's their fault, but really the flute's also... Pulling the back, so you have to constantly yeah. think, right? Yeah, that's yeah. why a thumb port can be a good thing because it helps you hold the flute without it yeah, turning something back like... all the time. Or maybe it's the angle of your head joint with mm -hmm. the with the body that that is at play here. Maybe if you put it a bit more inwards, and then your hands are a bit more outwards, yeah. then the the rods are more on the top of the flute. Mm -hmm. It might help with the stability of your instrument instead of it turning in all the time. I would that. If, if you came to me as a student, that's the first thing I would look at if, if the flute is turning in and how to deal with that. Mm. And then sometimes I also see people who play straight and then they start moving their hands down. So the angle of the flute is straight and then it starts to be completely out of alignment with the mm. mouth. And then the sound gets... Uh, I see that. You see that students, a lot. Yeah. yeah. They get their arms get tired, so that too it, you have to figure out how to be comfortable, so you don't mm -hmm. have to do that, or yeah. you tilt your head because you have to keep the angle of the yeah. head joint with with the with the with the no, mouth. Yeah. You know, it has to be stable. Yeah, that can be something for sure. If not, it could be a support thing. Maybe she supports mm -hmm. better in the beginning and then gets tired. Mm -hmm. That could be it too. Yeah. That would be, but the, the flute turning in would be my first guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe even also during practice, excuse me, even during practice, maybe mark those places where you're finding that your tone is degrading. And then next time you practice, practice there immediately. That way mm. you can kind of get a feeling of what it's supposed to be like at that point. That way, when you go back, yeah. you have a better, you might have better chances to yeah. recover. It's very smart to practice, um, not always starting from the beginning. Because yeah. at the beginning sure. of a practice, you're more focused. And mm -hmm. then with time, you're less focused. So you don't want to um, have a concert where you really know mm -hmm. the beginning. And at the end, you don't know it. So when yeah. I learn a piece, sometimes I, s I don't always start from the beginning yeah. when I'm practicing. Yeah. And like you, like you said, uh, in a recital, it's worse, of course. Yeah. But I think uh, prevention is the key, you know, practicing before practicing plenty of times beforehand in front of people too so you can see even when you're in public what happens you know things but happen. what i hear is that it doesn't yeah. happen only in performance in it happens all the time i know yeah yeah so you right. could also just practice in front of a mirror and check your alignment yes no like you, you were could saying. also mm -hmm. film yourself and then look at yourself like it's yes. even better in a way because while you're playing you're focused on two things playing oh, yeah. and looking at yourself mm -hmm. 
which is also good because you can do adjustments on the spot and yeah. then be like, oh, that worked. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right, also recording. filming mm-hmm. yourself, you have a hundred percent attention as if like a, a teacher looking at you and trying to figure out what's the issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it but could you're, be yeah. I think you're right. Like because recording, it doesn't you don't need to record like much. It doesn't seem like it's anxiety that brings that on. It I don't think like so either. It seems like it's a techni- technical thing. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's that around that. And filming yourself can definitely, you could only need just filming yourself for 20 seconds and you can get a pretty good understanding of what is going on in regarding to your body and the flute in or your as hands. Long, like you film yourself until the sound goes away. At least. Yeah, at least. So you yeah, can yeah. see the problem the happening. Problem yeah, that's what I and mean. Yeah, it might be very are. obvious, but Maybe. we we don't see ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why teachers are helpful mm-hmm. because even if it's obvious from an outside perspective, sometimes it's not obvious when you're in the situation. Yeah, it's really beneficial when, especially when you're an amateur and you're learning on your own, and if you're an adult or even a kid learning on their own eventually there is a threshold that you should be seeing a teacher not once a week but maybe once in a while so you can have if you can't afford it or if you can't you know whatever reason um, so they can get an extra perspective a uh, trained perspective rather and that's really helpful for 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 uh, a student to really kind of even jump a level yeah. really quickly you know so but even as a teacher i feel that if my student hasn't um understood really you know like felt it hmm. my my job is to make them aware of the problem like if they don't well. if they're not aware that that thing is happening that makes well sense. there's not going to be any difference i can tell mm-hmm. them but i have to make sure they feel it you sure, know Sure, of course but yeah so i would still use those types of things like practicing in front of a mirror and things like that mm-hmm. because i can tell you oh your head joint is rolling in your your flute is rolling in but if you don't feel it mm-hmm. y- you know yeah there's yeah. definitely a tool set you know using the mirror using camera using a recorder to just uh, monitor the sound there's so many different yeah. things you can use i used to record uh, myself a lot yeah. just for phrasing and it's yeah. amazing how much you learn mm-hmm. by listening to I yourself. used to have the tape recorder, you know, <laughs> yeah. press record, plus play in the big tape deck, you know, on the crappy little recorder, on a crappy little microphone, and I was still able to hear you what's going on. Because you, you know? hear a lot of the phrasing so things, much. you hear yeah. the vibrato, you hear a lot of different things that... Yeah, and nowadays we just have so much clarity in our in, in our recordings that we can... Even on, on anything. Phone, yeah, that's what I mean, on a phone. Pretty good. Just yeah. you have to put it a bit further yes. with the flute. You don't put it too too close. Yeah, but a few feet away. Yeah. yeah, at least again. So yeah, that's uh, those are a lot of things. You know, like I know, like you like practicing from the end of a piece first. Like sometimes you like practicing the ending, so that the ending's strong. You yeah, know, and stuff I like, like that. Also, I try to figure out where's the tough, where are the tough spots. Of course. And then I yeah. practice them more because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I want to be efficient. You don't need to practice the whole thing no. all the time. But right. some parts are, are going to be more difficult. And then mm-hmm. you can use those as a technical exercise. Yes. Or you can just focus on them. And what I do sometimes, like yesterday I was practicing um tough spot in my concerto. And I thought, okay, that tough spot, I'm going to practice for a minute. Mm-hmm. I didn't put a timer, but I know approximately what a minute is. But sometimes I did that with a student. I remember a student who... um couldn't get a specific part of her piece and i said practice it put a timer because we think a minute is 
is that short, but it, no. in fact, it's pretty long. If you're mm. playing just a short part of a piece, you yeah. can play it a, a lot a in lot. one minute. Yeah. So I said, put a timer for, I don't know, one or two minutes, I don't remember, every day until your next lesson. She sure. had a lesson every two weeks. Oh. And I said, just practice that one, uh, let's say two minutes a day. And when she came back the next time, it was taken care of. And she was like, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. because that's the toughest part. You don't need to practice. She would practice the whole piece from beginning to, till the end all right. the time. Mm -hmm. But you don't need to do that. No. It's it's um, it's overkill. It's about really figuring out where are those little spots and repeating them until mm -hmm. they get easy. Because like in that, in that concerto, in the second movement, it's pretty slow all the time. But then you have this super fast just sure. <laughs> of course you have to learn it so you can do it seam seamlessly of course yeah. so yeah those are all of our questions for this uh, week's uh, or this month's flute talk podcast we do this every month um you can join us over on patreon.com and help us produce um by donating as little as uh, two dollars a month and that helps us produce this show and all the other things that we make on the flute channel's uh, youtube page um you can donate more if you wish, and uh, you can stop at any time. So that's pretty cool. Also, uh, if you want lessons with Emily or uh, me as well, if you want, um, you can definitely check us out and email us at info at thefluechannel.com. We have an online flute studio where you can learn online with Emily. There's uh, already got pretty decent full studio. Like, not full, but, I mean, there's people in it, so it's yeah, yeah. full to the definition, I guess. And... Um, yeah, there's also the store, which you can go and check out at store.thefluechannel.com, where you can buy our poster, which is pretty popular. It's our flute scale uh, poster, which is pretty big and pretty awesome. Mugs, shirts, hats. We got a new hat that's coming out, that's coming here soon, so we'll be having that and a couple new shirts. Uh, check that out. Like I said, store.thefluechannel.com. Also, if you're looking for a flute, be sure to check out the Flute Center of New York at flutes4sale, the number four, uh, dot com, flutes4sale.com, and you can definitely uh check out there and use our code tfc at checkout or you can also call them and tell them about that you got referenced by us and you can try up to three to four flutes for up to 10 days um and it, if you choose a flute you can have an extended warranty on it uh of 18 months instead of the traditional 12 and yeah we get a little commission from each one of those and those help us directly to the channel as well which is pretty awesome they have the world's largest selection of flutes and you can definitely try any flute uh, you want you know there they have almost every single one uh they're all flutists there so you can even call them and the deal works worldwide so definitely check it out and then also if you want to join us for our uh convention event which will be in august um join our newsletter and our mailing list at flutecon.com so F-L-U-T-E-C-O-N.com. And that'll be a one-day event that uh, we'll be doing masterclasses online. It's an, the first ever flute online convention, which will be pretty sweet. Uh, we're going to be rolling out information about that and early bird specials and stuff like that within the next uh, month or two. And then we also have, um, what else do we have? We have other little news, I think. We will be in May. Uh, in May, we'll, we'll be in Nashville uh, doing a presentation there for Pod X, so that's a big, it's a podcast convention in Nashville. So that'll be May thirty first to June second. If you guys are in the Nashville area or you know that surrounding mm -hmm. area, let us know. Put a mention, talk to us down in the comments, and um, we'll be making more mentions about this in other videos. But 
uh, we'll be there. So be sure to uh, say hello if you're around. We might do a meetup. And we'll be at VidCon, which will be, um, which are going to just be hanging around and doing stuff there in July, which is July 10th to the 14th, I think. So if you're in Anaheim or in California, let us know. Let us uh, do some hangouts all over. We're going to be we're going to be with a car and going around and yep. doing stuff, which is pretty sweet. And uh, did I forget anything else? Well, maybe the concerto if people are around. Yeah, if you're around. Yeah, that's also happening uh, too. May 26th. May 26th, in yes. In Montreal at Club Soda with yeah. Orchestre 21. Yeah. It's Orchestre 21. Yeah, Orchestre uh, 21. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just check out Club Soda's website or check out Orchestra 21 on Facebook and get more information about that. And it's going to be like a concerto night almost. There's going to be two concertos, a piano concerto, a flute concerto, yeah. uh, Hindemith's um, Mathis de Mahler. And you'll play that. Yeah, I'll be in the, the orchestra there. <laughs> There's no solos in that one, really. It's it's actually it's symph- symphonic it's metamorphosis, <laughs> the oh, geek in me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm completely wrong. But it's a great piece, though. It's one of my favorite pieces, Mathis de Mahler. Uh, and symphonic, symphonic metamorphosis, but uh, no notable solos in there, but it's a gigantic piece, and it's very, very beautiful. It's by Hindemith. That's going to be cool. And there's another piece, too, I think. There's four pieces, I think. So, yeah, we have all of those things going on. Um, like I said, our next podcast will be uh, the last Sunday of April, and by then it will be much warmer here and stuff like that. And, yeah, stay tuned for another one, and be sure to um, go to our Patreon as well. So thanks for watching, everybody. See ya. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Hi, and welcome to the Flute Talk Podcast, where we talk about all things flute, live here on Patreon. What is Patreon? Patreon is a place for fans like you to come and support creators like us. For as little as $2 a month, you can join in on this live show once a month. Plus, we'll send you the popular 5-minute warm-up for Flutist in a Hurry as a gift for being so awesome. Plus, we'll give a shout-out to all of our patrons in our podcast. This plus many more perks and tears await you. So why not join us over on Patreon and help us continue to make great content? The Flute Talk Podcast is also brought to you by the Flute Center of New York. The Flute Center of New York has the world's largest selection of flutes. If you need to buy a flute or piccolo, the Flute Center of New York has you covered. With our code TFC at checkout, you can try up to three to four flutes for up to 10 days, have an extended 18-month warranty, and free shipping worldwide. So be sure to go to the website flutes the number four sale.com so that's flutes the number four sale.com flutes for sale.com just be sure to use that code tfc for all those perks and a little bit of that does go our way another sponsor as well ourselves we have a store if you haven't noticed yet we have a store over at store.theflutechannel.com we have some shirts and posters and things like that over at teespring so you can definitely go there and get some merch posters whatever you'd like that we have it will be there you probably notice it under our videos if you're interested be sure to go to store.theflutechannel.com that helps us out immensely so yeah on with the show hey everybody welcome to the flute talk podcast i'm nick and i'm emily and misty's down here too as well if you can see her Yes, there's our little doggy. Okay, so today we're going to talk about musician burnout and also about how um, we can improve our practicing. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of things have been happening this month. We've had a lot of uh, really good stuff. You've done some just practicings with poem and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. You're now slowly preparing for your concerto in the in May. In May. That was 26th, cool. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. May 26th here in Montreal. So that's going to be cool. You're going to be playing a... Uh, flute concerto by uh, Jacques Etou, mm-hmm. which is a it's Quebec beautiful. composer here in Canada. And yeah, so 
just been practicing stuff like that is really cool so this is a uh, where we come and talk to you guys over at patreon if you're watching this um after the live show uh be sure to check out patreon.com where you can help us produce the show you can come ask us questions we'll go in depth with them during the podcast and also over at the um patreon uh forum i don't know what you call it but over at patreon yeah. right so yeah and this is one of the questions definitely um which is i think it's from uh my goodness it doesn't say name here but they'll know who they are <laughs> Uh, some time ago, we talked about burnout, or maybe they saw it on another channel. I wonder if you have ever got to a point in your life that you have taken hiatus from the flute. Um, what caused your burnout? How long did your hiatus last? And eventually, did you get back on your feet? You want, uh, you want, who, who, what do you, do you want to take that for and then I'll go second? Or what do you think? Yeah, uh, we can do that. Cool. Well, um... I've never had a burnout per se, mm -hmm. um, but I've I've had times where I can't play the flute because um, sometimes I have neck issues and uh, it gets hard. I can play if I have to, if I have a concert, but if I don't have to, I prefer to just heal. Um, yeah, so he's asking if we ever had it and how we got back to it or... Yep, yeah, I believe so. Well, well, it's a complicated question because everyone's different. Every story is uh, is different. But um, can you put that? Thanks. Um, I would say that maybe you have to figure out what caused that that problem in the first place. Was it the flute? Was it maybe the um, context in which you're playing music or learning music that's very stressful or is flute uh helping your your well-being and why is that you know maybe that's a first question to ask and sometimes i think we take uh, we make decisions that are not necessarily based on what's good for us or but what we've been told was success and we should ask ourselves is that what really makes me happy or is it something that's been sold to me by someone else as happiness and as success? And I think we have to um, figure out for ourselves what success is, what makes us happy because we're different. What's one person? I, maybe one person would love to go and study abroad and for another person it would be a nightmare because they're very, very attached to their family or, you know, so you have to figure out for yourself what's uh, what's best for you. That would be the first point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to talk a bit? Maybe I'll... Sure. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, there's two... I see it in two different ways. Uh, hiatus, like, first of all, I think hiatus and burnout, to me, are two different things. Hiatus kind of implies that you're actually taking a break for personal reasons, whatever type of reason, and burnout, which is a big word that's being used around a lot in the YouTube world and the creator world and artist world, where you are constantly making things and then eventually you hit a, either a brick wall or you get so exhausted, literally, that you can't continue to produce and then stop completely. So those two are kind of different. So I think um, the first one, I'll talk about hiatus. I think hiatus, uh, I think we all kind of had once in a while, like, I know for me that hiatus can be, you know, oh, I'm just going to take maybe a month off or I'm going to take 
two months off or I'm going to only practice maybe two times a week instead of four or five times a week. That's sort of like a hiatus because it's giving yourself time to do other things, to better yourself. Um, also, you can also just take a hiatus and come back after two weeks and not play at all. You know, hiatus mm. is more like a choice. It can be a vacation. It yeah. can be that you're, you have another project. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you're not a flutist anymore. Nope, you know? absolutely not. I think... Uh, Yeah. And sometimes it's not even a conscious decision. Sometimes you're just like as a student, of course, I would practice all the time as as an adult, a professional. Sometimes I have other stuff. I have less time and that's right. okay, too. And I I don't feel stressed about that. Yeah. So I would say like hiatus really is uh, whether or not you're a student or you're learning on your own and you don't have uh, like if you're in school or not in school. You know, I think they both have uh, that type of I think you should go about it as hiatus is really nothing negative it's actually just for you to go and take time off or do something else like you were saying and then creator burnout which is this big thing and i can only um attest to a lot of great um youtube uh, creators out there that are and psychologists that are doing a lot of studies on this right now because there's a lot of data on it and um i know a lot of flutists practice and practice and practice sometimes they practice for 10 years straight and then suddenly they their body just stops and they can't do it and they can't mm -hmm. play it anymore for a sh that time. But um, I know for to, I know ways to kind of that I've applied in creating videos and stuff like that and in flute making and in flute playing, um, these kind of things can help prevent burnout, which is, you know, don't follow what other people are doing. Follow your own consistency, your own schedule, you know, obviously make goals and stuff like that. I think if you have those types of things, you tend to get less burnout mm -hmm. because if you constantly are, you know, we live in the age that we look at our Instagram, we look at people doing things and creating things seeming like, you know, seamlessly, you know, effortlessly, they're constantly making content. Well, we don't really know that. And plus it doesn't mean you have to make the exact same amount of content they do or, you know what I mean? So it's really about just being your own Yeah, way. I you think know. there's been a study. I don't know the source exactly, mm -hmm. but I've heard about it yesterday. Um, about the amount of time people spend on uh, social media, and uh, their level of, uh, you know, feeling satisfied with their lives, and it's uh, the most you spend on it, the less you're satisfied with your life, mm -hmm. because what we show on those platforms is not is not the 100% truth of course we show the nice stuff mm -hmm. what uh, we're in a society where we want other people to um, kind of be jealous of us i guess you know and it it works people feel bad about themselves by spending time there yeah, yeah. so i think just um, be sure to just don't get stressed to be to produce all the time or say to practice all the time i know there's a lot of people out there showing, you know, you have to practice, you know, four to eight hours or however many hours. Yeah. And I think really, um, if you're practicing on your own, it can be very intimidating, you know, but really set goals for yourself. Um, try not to get influenced by those people. If you feel that you're getting into a burnout stage, take a little hiatus, you know, and yeah. and re re uh, re uh, structure your, your day, how you practice and stuff like that. But, you know, when I come back from practice or come back from a hiatus, um, You know, my practicing uh, tends to be a bit more 
simpler instead of like complicated stuff like learning pieces or doing more types of advanced types of scales and tone exercises. When I come back, I tend to just play very long tones and I play very simple like etudes or little things like that so I can really get back into the ground of things. That's my personal thing that I do that kind of motivates me. And then I also pick something super popular. I like playing something super popular when I come back, like something that's very like not popular like for everybody, but I mean like just popular, you know, something cool and fun to play with, something you like to play with in the past too. Mm-hmm. Anything like that, like a little thing, not the whole thing, but uh, gets you back into the groove. And then, you know, then after about a week or so, make your goals, do your next, uh, whatever you're getting into, if you're going to be in a wind band or if you have stuff to practice, get that stuff in there. Or if you have excerpts to learn, I think mm-hmm. that's a good way for me. It's always worked that way. And I like that. That way it's less aggressive and less like, you know, sort of like a warm-up run when you're running on a track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't do that. If I have to learn something hard and I haven't practiced in a while, I just take it and I start. And But I'm patient with myself, though. Like, if my sound's not exactly where it should be, mm-hmm. I just think, well, it's normal. I haven't mm-hmm. practiced for a little while. It's yeah. going to come back, you know? Yeah. I don't uh, instantly judge and I don't identify with that. Mm-hmm. I know it's just... Uh, passing thing yeah, you sure. know, and i don't stress over it but also i used to have like a rule that i would have a day a week at least where i don't work mm-hmm. now it's a bit more difficult to do it lately but at least i have i have moments mm-hmm. and i think it's good to set moments that are even if it's uh, a couple of hours here and there where you say i don't i don't work during those moments because you need to uh just relax mm-hmm. as well but for some people the flute will be their relaxing time yep well, most most of the people we have come across yeah some people right. it will be but if you're studying and you have a lot of pressure maybe that won't be it for you maybe it won't be right. a relaxing time anymore because mm-hmm. you associate it with performance and maybe anxiety mm-hmm. and yeah I, I like how you were saying before just so you know you just go into it i think um one big helpful thing to have biggest tool above all things is having awareness you know having that uh development of awareness like not judging just going through the moments like i think a lot of artists at the top and also people who just play for fun have that thing and can develop that thing very well and that way you know you can be more efficient but also you're just aware so you can just kind of you know do what you did like you can just go right into it if you have to learn something difficult like a concerto or something you know yeah it's very interesting I think and awareness is probably the, the number one ingredient. Sometimes what I do when I have to learn something difficult and uh, I didn't have much time and I don't have that much time to um, make sound exercises yeah. and scales. And I use the piece as I use parts of the pieces. So I'll take a, a specific part and use it as a sound exercise. Like a phrase or something, optics, right. And then mm-hmm. take some other little parts and use it as technique exercises and this way I'm being efficient with my time because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we over practice some things. I've had students who were coming to me and practicing um, technique exercises for so many hours mm-hmm. and I was doubting the the positive impact on their playing. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we, we lose a lot of time. Like I like the idea, like some people think, oh, you have to practice that many hours and I don't believe that anymore. I used to do that when I was young like very young 11 12 i would even put timers and write down how many hours i've practiced and then Mm -hmm. at one point i realized that sometimes i was just punching in 
but I wasn't totally aware of what I was mm -hmm. doing and I was even learning mistakes because mm. I was so tired that I was not reading the right notes or right. I was not so or I was having a bad posture and it would impact my body and I still pay the price today sure. so um, I think it's about being aware mm. more than the amount of hours like of course you need a couple of, you need a certain amount of hours to become good mm -hmm. but most of all you need to be aware while you're doing it yeah. and taking breaks is a good thing yeah. and you're not going to forget how to you how to play the flute if you go on a two-week vacation no absolutely okay. yeah mm -hmm. it's there <laughs> totally 